The Start On Demand. On Demand. It's Brett. It's the Friday edition of the podcast for The Start with Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And today we are going to meet a woman who runs the Winnipeg Pregnancy and Infant Loss Self-Help Group. We're also going to learn about a unique Winnipeg business making something called sustainable eyewear. I'll tell you what that means. We'll get an update from the guy running 150 miles for Silo Mission. A family from Winkler is packing it up and hitting the road for six months. They sold everything. We'll learn their story. And finally, they are so delicious, but they are so messy. Talking about cheesies. Enjoy the podcast. McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is back on Monday. And in my hand here, I have a little snack-sized bag of Humpty Dumpty cheese sticks. Cheesies. From Old Dutch. There's a box of them in our kitchen. I think that's courtesy of uh, Joe Aiello from Power 97, Power Mornings of Philly Joe and Kirby. So I, I I've had a healthy breakfast. I had two of these little bags. And ten minutes later, <laughs> after I've eaten the cheesies and, and struggled to avoid getting the crumbs all over my pants and my shirt and whatever, I noticed that there's some uh, some of the cheesy topping like stuck to my hand because I guess I'm a slob. But it just, with these cheesies <laughs> in particular... Slob. You, that stuff is like, there's something, we were trying to figure out if there was something chemically in there that allows it to stick. Like I've, this is embarrassing, but like I've got books I've read where you can see <laughs> in the book like the cheese marks. We were like, oh yeah, that's right. I hammered a bag of Cheetos or whatever it was that day. That, <laughs> so I kept reading because it's like all over your fingers. That stuff would not be on the Canada health food diet. No, I, no. I had to ban it from the basement because the kids had friends over and I went downstairs the next day and there was like full cheesy handprints. Like you're like, like somebody just like, like it was a crime scene, but with Cheetos or whatever they're called. I agree with Bob. I I I noticed them this morning when I at four o'clock in the morning you while I'm working them. on my I'm eating cheesies. I'm going, what am I doing? Well, it's delicious. You know, yeah. but it's not special K, I can tell you that. And another thing too, when I go to the movies, uh, and I've talked about this before, but I love eating popcorn at the movies. But I always feel awful after I do it because first I get them to put on butter and I get them to layer it. And then I go to the the dispenser where you can add the buttery flavored topping, whatever that is. That's I was, bad stuff. I always right. joke that it's recycled motor oil. Yeah. But it's t- so what it tasty. Is. Uh, I do the same thing. And what I, yeah, because what I do is I, I go into the movie theater, I eat the first mm-hmm. layer of the popcorn, and then I go back out <laughs> so I can add that topping you and then actually shake. butter? Have I missed this at theaters? Like, yeah, is it, you can. Is yeah. it yeah. just good butter? Or is it, or is it sorry, <laughs> no, it's something no, it's else. But it's stuff. not flavored. Like, it's not like salt. <laughs> Tito butter or something like that? Well, here, here's the next thing. So I put on the buttery flavored topping and I, because uh, I wait to eat the top layer so that then there's room to shake the bag without yes. the popcorn erupting out of the bag. And then halfway through the bag, I add one of those flavor shakers. It's like white cheddar. Yeah. Anyway, but I put so much of that stuff in the bag that I have to have like 10 napkins underneath the bag. <laughs> Me too. So it doesn't leak through the bag and stain my clothes, which has happened. I have a t-shirt that I've ruined. I have jeans that I've ruined. I'm disgusting. You are a slob, McGarry. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a lot of butter, like for it to evidence leak through the is, bag. Evidence is piling up that <laughs> yeah. you are... Listen, when I go to the... There's no point going to a movie and not eating a big bag of popcorn. There just, oh, there's yes. no point. Uh, yeah. And the salt is very appealing. Anybody who doesn't like salt... 
uh, you know, their taste buds are messed up because we all, <laughs> no, really, we, we all love salt, Don't right? add Bob a can of reduced salt on anything. Oh, then. I, I eat too much salt, but talk about cheesies. Hawkins cheesies are the best. And then your potato chips are a weakness for me. We What we do is we keep them out of the house because if they're there, they're gone in a heartbeat. And I'm eating most of them. And those sea salt and pepper ones, have you ever oh, had those? Yeah. Oh, God, they're to die for. Tostitos with salta, salsa, bring it on. Is there a dietitian? stuff. Is there a dietitian <laughs> listening to any of this? We're disgusting, I think. Yeah. I'm kind of concerned yeah. with how much yeah. chip love there is in the room. That's, oh, that's oh, yeah. right. Well, who doesn't like potato chips? Come on. I, I, I got. One, okay. one of those nice, hot, soft, salty pretzels that you get at the mall. Yep. Oh, god! So good, but so buttery, and you get the butter <laughs> all over your fingers. Yeah. If you're going shopping, those are all of your new clothes. Well, totally that much right all now. All over the mall, you've just left like a scene of trail of butter on other people's clothing that they're trying yeah. to buy. Yeah, that, no, that, you're right though. That they are a mess. I've had them before. That's a, something where you got to sit down and eat it, and then wipe your hands after. Um, I, what about not just okay? Salties. This is my. Go ahead. I wanted to ask about when you share a bag of chips or popcorn with someone. Not only do I not like sharing them because I don't want, like, I want to have the, I want to maximize what I'm going to eat. But aren't you a bit <laughs> grossed out with how people eat popcorn when you watch them? Like when they're mm-hmm. next to you, their whole hand goes in their mouth. That's me. Yeah. yeah. So now I'm never going to share so with I'm you. Not and then gro- your hand goes I'm back. not grossed out because like, it's me. Like I've seen like all fingers just like. Oh my God. <laughs> and yeah. everyone's hand goes back in the same bag. I'm grossed out by popcorn. I sharing. recently ate two large bags of popcorn at a movie. The same movie. Two large. <laughs> two you went back out large, or you ate your wife? Uh, well, I, I can't remember the circumstances, but I had two large oh bags. God. And God, I love that. The- there's nothing as good as theater popcorn. How do they do that, Brett? How do they make it so good? I don't know. Like, we make I our own know. popcorn at home, but it's nowhere near as good as the theater <laughs> stuff. It's incredible. I just, I can't believe you ate two large bags. <laughs> yeah, I did. Just for some context. I, I can do amazing things, you know. Uh, well, you, I know. <laughs> Learning so clear. much about Bob this week. <laughs> I once went to the movie and bought a large bag of popcorn and just took it home because I wanted yeah. the movie popcorn. Yeah. So I poured it into a bowl and it filled up the bowl, like a big bowl. Yeah. And there was still half a bag left. There's a lot so of popcorn So that means you there. ate four bowls of popcorn. I am... Yeah. So impressed I had a with bit you of right a, now. I had a bit of a stomach ache. When I was <laughs> you think? Uh, you oh, really? <laughs> but the, when you go to movies, I deliberately don't have supper. Like if yeah. I know I'm going to the movie, say at 7 p.m., I'll right. just well the popcorn's my supper. Oh, for popcorn. sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There there have been times where people will say, "Hey, you want to go out for a bite before the movie?" And I'll say, oh. "No," because yeah. I'm having popcorn. Uh, but to your comment about sharing popcorn, that's one of the reasons why I don't share popcorn. I want my own popcorn. And I want to eat it the way that I want to eat because it. Because of sanitary things, though, or just because you don't want to share? Just because I don't want to yeah. share. I read once that popcorn is healthy. I like that <laughs> article. Can you please force me that? The salt in it isn't healthy. <laughs> <laughs> salt and the butter. Still need some work for today. The best is how he laughs like the entire time every week when he plays that song. <laughs> it's just so much fun. And then you look over and he's like mouth open, like <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> yes, it's time for the couch potatoes to assemble. Sort of. Jeff Braun's not here, 
but I'm here. And Loren and I are both really curious and excited about something. There's no new movies out this weekend. All the new movies came out on Christmas Day. Uh, there was Vice. That's the Dick Cheney movie with Christian Bale and Holmes and Watson with Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. That is getting just atrocious reviews. I can't believe how badly reviewed it is. But it, you know, watching the trailer, I thought that looked funny. But five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. The the consensus is no one can understand how so many funny people can be involved in a movie that's just so unfunny. So that makes me sad because I love Sherlock Holmes and all the various Sherlock Holmes stories we've been seeing over the years, but that's just getting terrible reviews. Do you think it's because people like go in with such high expectations sometimes when there's a certain grouping of people, you really, really think you're going to laugh and then you only sort of laugh and then therefore you're disappointed? Like, I don't could know. Be, it could be that, but it also could be just, just that it's not funny. <laughs> uh, sometimes people come together and they just make bad movies. Traffic note that just came in here, by the way. Bridge on Highway 59 over the floodway is extremely slick. Driver says wind also making the drive more challenging. No new movies in theaters, but there's something interesting now available on Netflix. It's called Black Mirror Bandersnatch. Now, Black Mirror is a series that's been around for a while. It started in the U.K., Uh, focusing on techno-paranoia. So it would present a series of stories, just one-off stories, so every episode is its own single standalone story, so it's not like a full series where you have to watch the whole thing. And it's uh, satirical, suspenseful tales, kind of like The Twilight Zone. It's a contemporary reworking of The Twilight Zone with stories that tap into its collective unease about the modern world. Uh, That's according to Wikipedia. And today they've released a movie called Bandersnatch, which, by the way, hang on, where did I look that up? A Bandersnatch is a ferocious creature with snapping jaws that appears in Lewis Carroll's fantasy classic Through the Looking Glass and his 1874 poem, Mm. The Hunting of the Snark. So in 1984, a young programmer begins to question reality as he adapts a sprawling fantasy novel into a video game and soon faces a mind-mangling challenge But the hook here is that you get to participate in how this movie goes. Here's a clip. Keep having these vivid dreams, like thinking weird things. What sorts of things? We're going to be a hit factory, like Motel, but for computer games. You heard it here first. Bandersnatch. It's an adventure game based on the book. Jerome F. Davies was a genius. See that bloke who went cuckoo and cut his wife's head off? When it's a concert piece, a bit of madness is what you need. So the headline at globalnews.ca, Black Mirror Bandersnatch takes TV viewing to an entirely new level. This is from Chris Jenselowitz, who is National Online Supervising Editor of Entertainment and Smart Living. And he says Global News was the only Canadian media outlet invited to Netflix headquarters to get the scoop on this movie, which is crazy. It's a choose-your-own-adventure movie where you get to decide which way the story goes. There are... Reportedly, 312 minutes of content available in Bandersnatch. It'll take, the average viewing will take about 90 minutes because every 90 seconds or so, you get presented with a choice. Yeah, he says every, about on average, every one and a half minutes, you'll have a simple but sometimes complicated choice. So you'll have to decide, like, what should the protagonist do? Sometimes it might be as minor as, like, which way should they turn? Or it should be, like, should he accept this decision? 
and then use your remote control to decide, like, which way the plot would go. So yeah. he's written how many different plausible scenarios and endings then. Well, and apparently there are more than a trillion unique permutations of Bandersnatch. There's so much content <clears throat> that there is stuff that may potentially never get seen by people. Now, if you want to watch this, it's not supported on all various platforms of Netflix. Now, it's uh, usable across most newer devices, including game consoles, TVs, web browsers, as well as Android and iOS devices running the latest version of the Netflix app. It is not yet supported on Chromecast and Apple TV and some legacy devices. So if you, for example, watch Netflix on your phone and you've got Chromecast hooked up to your TV and you shoot Netflix to your TV, it won't work. At least the the choose your own adventure function won't work. I've got a Blu-ray player that's Oh, God, I bet you it's seven or eight years old. Netflix is on it, but I'm wondering if I'll be able to, to do it. So if I want to watch this tonight, I might have to just watch it on my phone, which kind of sucks. It's a crazy concept, though, just to try to do this because the director is explaining, like, you would normally have someone write a story, but then now you have to have someone also write code, yeah, like a computer code to figure out how to get the your decision to go. Like, I can't even wrap my head around all the complications that that would entail. Yeah, but I, I mean, do you rem- did you ever read those Choose Your Own Adventure yeah, books? Yeah, I, I never loved them. No, no. Like I, I kind, I wanted to be taken. Like I like going on a journey, and my whole thing about reading or even watching a movie is that that's someone else's job to take me there. And yeah. it's not that I don't want to think. It's not like you're not thinking through an entire plot. Like, oh, who could the killer be, or are these two going to fall in love, or all those kinds of things. I just don't want to control that. Now there have been times you get to the end and you're like, well, I would have done a different ending. So that's kind of a neat concept, but I don't know. I don't know if I'd like this. Yeah, the, the Choose Your Own Adventure books were certainly neat. I remember there was a Dracula one. I can't remember what it was called. I thought it was Dracula's Curse, but I don't think that's what it was. But uh, Or at least it was a vampire one, maybe. It wasn't that. But uh, the, it was cool, and there were there was uh, one, I think it was called The Green Slime and The Cave of Time. And then there was another series of books that were it was basically rip-off books, I think, called Time Machine. Mm-hmm. And I remember, uh, I remember reading those. a dinosaur book where you went back to the land of the dinosaurs. And again, it was a choose-your-own-adventure style book. But I really enjoyed those. So it's it's neat that they're doing this because this could be an evolution of, of television, of entertainment. They've done this before for kids with cartoons. There have been kids things where you could interact. Mm-hmm. But this is the first adult-oriented interactive television experience that Netflix is providing. Good or bad to do as a couple, would you say? Oh, boy. Because it'd be fun, but then I think every, like, are you fighting every 90 seconds? Oh, God, yeah, you're right, because you, then you have to wrestle, you have to negotiate. Fine, fine, we'll do what you want to do, but if he <laughs> dies, this is on you. Oh, <laughs> Just like... God. Uh, you've ju- this was my plan for tonight. and now Popcorn, I don't know... Chinese food, and a choose-your-own-adventure Netflix series. But I don't know that I want to go through that now, because you're right. Inevitably, there's going to be an argument. Yeah. And it, is it so? Does that just does that become a power struggle within the relationship? You should watch it on two TVs side by side with headphones on, and see oh, who has the better conclusion. That actually is an Make interesting a game out of it. Yeah, we could because uh, seeing as we might not be able to do it on the TV anyway, we could just watch it on our phone. Yeah, she's got an iPad; she could do it on that. And be like, I totally solved this, you idiot! You didn't yeah. even figure it out. Mine's better. <laughs> Your Bandersnatch sucked. Mine was, I had the better ending. Check out my Bandersnatch. 
745 on 680 CJOB again and I'll I'll link the Black Mirror Banner Snatch story to our 680 CJOB Instagram. Would you ever just pack it up and take a trip, McNabb? With the, or, with the whole family? Yeah, just, yeah. just to, for an extended period Absolutely. of time. Absolutely. And, and I've thought about it a lot. Like, how can I figure out a way to get my family six months off and travel somewhere or a year? Or is there like a work experience or something that we could do that would allow us to leave? Well, we get an email yesterday, News at cjob.com, that reads as follows. Hi there. My name is Rick. My wife and I just sold everything we own, including our house. And we are leaving in January 2019 to travel the world with our two boys, ages three and nine months. We recently left the business world and want to focus more on experiences and not things. I think heading into the new year, this story may resonate with people and inspire them to focus on what is really important in life. If you would be interested in a chat to learn more, please don't hesitate to reach out. Slightly smiling face. Check out our website if you're curious. TheNoRegretsFamily.com. Signed, Rick Nelson from Winkler, Manitoba, as we mentioned, Jeff Braun's favorite community in southern Manitoba. So we here at 680 CGOB reached out to Rick, and yesterday on the news with Richard Cloutier and guest hosts Tristan Field-Jones and Cameron Poitras in for Julie Buckingham, they talked to Rick. We've been married for 10 years now, and we've traveled a lot, and every time we, we get home, we talk about how we love to do it more and more. And um, so we've been talking about it for probably a number of years. But this summer, it became quite serious, and we decided to list our house and quickly receive some offers, and uh, that sold sign went up pretty quick, and then it became very real. So just actually late summer, it became something that was going to happen for sure. So they're going to start with a week in California, then likely head to Hawaii, then they'll hop over to New Zealand. They're committing to at least six months before returning to Canada, where they will reevaluate the situation. But they'd like to do at least a year and it goes without saying, there's been a mixed reaction from family and friends. Certainly, there's some some family and friends that are very, very excited for us. They know us very well and, and know that this is something that we've kind of dreamt of doing. Because they wish uh, they could do course, it. Exactly. Well, <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's not for everyone. Um, something we've been telling people is that, you know, this isn't a message to tell people that they have to do this kind of bold move. But, you know, there's some family members and friends who are a little more conservative, and, and we totally respect that. And, you know, they, they support us in their own way. Any destination you can tick off the bucket list? Yeah. Um, for me, I would love to check out Southeast Asia. And so hopefully we'll spend some time there in, uh, in late winter. And um, likely Dubai. That's been on my list for, for a long time. And I know for my wife, we were, she, she especially is a big fan of Europe. And so we've been there a number of times, but we've hardly scratched the surface as far as checking out all the countries she's wanted to and myself as well. So we'll hopefully spend a number of months covering as much of Europe as possible. So does any of this have to do with wanting to teach the kids, hey, there's more to the world than Winkler, and not to be afraid to explore? <laughs> yeah, I think you nailed it. I was only exposed to, to, to traveling overseas um, probably about, well, about 10 years ago. On our, on our first year of marriage, we went to Europe. And to me, that really opened up my eyes to... Uh, you know, get outside of the bubble that we grew up in and experience new culture, new food, new people. And it's just something that I, I feel like is a really healthy thing to do, especially for young children, to be exposed to different cultures and 
um, yeah, just different ways of, of living life. I think that's a really healthy environment for, for kids to be in for at least a, a period in their life. So they sell the house, the possessions, probably means they got a few hundred grand at their disposal. Are they going to live it up while they're away? We're definitely not um, going to be in vacation mode. Like we won't be doing, you know, the typical resort style, um, sitting on the beach eight to five, like people dream about. It's, it's certainly going to be uh, living life day to day as if we were kind of settled in. And I will be working, um, and so I'll be working remotely, and so that will hopefully fund a good amount of our travels. And the work he's going to be doing is in sales and marketing, which he's been doing since his early 20s. He owned a small marketing firm, sold it a couple of years ago. Now he works in sales and marketing management, so he's hoping to be able to at least work part-time. And his boss is fully supportive. I love this. Like, I, We had a listener write in to say their kids might be too young to remember anything. They're three years and nine months. And that might be true, but uh, I don't know. Something Other things might be retained through their memories if this lasts through a year, at least for the older one. When I was uh, in grade five, my dad got an offer by the Canadian Intertown National Development Agency to go work in Zimbabwe. So our whole family left school in grade five. My mom homeschooled us and we lived over in Africa. And, and that would, I think we'd all write down as the thing that changed everything for all of us in terms of what we wanted to do in life and where we wanted to go and the people we wanted to be just because it exposed us to so much. So I love the idea if you can do it. You lived in Africa. Yeah, like in Zimbabwe. It was just for six months and we lived, like he didn't get paid very much, if anything, and we lived in um, like a one-bedroom apartment in the beginning with in a family of six and then rented the house and had no furniture. And we lived in all three, three or four different places and just traveled around. And uh, yeah, my mom taught us at home in the morning and the afternoon school was going out to some place and exploring. So it was really cool. And it wasn't it wasn't affordable and it wasn't easy, I'm sure, for them. And they didn't make any money doing it. But I thought that was fantastic. So I often think, is there something I can do that would allow for that? I don't know if it's Sweden or Finland, but in one of those Scandinavian countries, you can take maternity leave and spread it out over two years with both parents. Okay. And so the p- parents there will often do what they call a gap year, which is say when the kids are, they'll do six months when the kid's a baby and then go back to work. And when then when the kids are like seven or eight, both parents will take six months off and they'll travel because they're now having that time together as a family. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And how much... Uh, it- how valuable is it, do you think, for kids to go away and live outside of their home when they're that young? Uh, because I wonder, like, I've, I've always been scared to, like, our industry in particular can be very nomadic. And I've always been scared to leave because I've never lived anywhere but Winnipeg. And that mm-hmm. frightens me. But maybe when I was a kid and we lived somewhere else, I'd be more open to the idea of working elsewhere. Yeah, I think that might that might be helpful. Again, like these, these kids are little, so but they'll see through their parents different experiences, and I will bet money this family will come back and then do it again in a few more years if they can raise enough money to do it, right? Like I think, like for for me in the town and growing up in Minnedosa in the seventies and eighties, it wasn't super diverse, and you weren't as exposed to much because there was no internet and all the rest, and so it was such a huge learning experience to step out outside a massive comfort zone yep. and go to Zimbabwe. So that was a difference maker. It's, times are different now. You see more, you do more. You even, like, we didn't even go into Winnipeg as much as kids, right? Yeah. And now people are just so nomadic and moving around. Well, uh, if you want to learn more, thenoregretsfamily.com. Rick from Winkler reached out to us. Great story. And we wish you well on your adventure, mm. Rick, to you and your family. It's McGarry and McNabb with Mackling back on Monday. It is cold outside. I don't want to be outside for more than five minutes, but imagine 
you're tasked with running 150 miles in this cold. We told you about this story yesterday morning, and he is on the line right now. His name is Junal Malapad. He's been running since Boxing Day at 11 a.m. with a couple of short breaks. Junal, hello there, sir. How are you? Good morning, thanks, and how are you? Doing very well. Uh, you, How many miles have you completed? Well, I'm uh, in kilometers, I'm at 192 kilometers right now. And you need to get, to, was it 240? Uh, 241 kilometers, you're which cl- is equal to 150 miles. So you're close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> only 60 more kilometers to go. Only 60 more. That's just only, yeah, well, you're right. What are you wearing for a day like today to run in, first of all, considering the wind chill is pretty high? It was minus 30 when I came into work this morning, and you were running around 6 a.m., so what do you got on? Oh, yeah, many layers, um, light layers, um, windbreaker top. Um, shoes that are are good for running outside, Gore-Tex shoes, and uh, I have nice mitts, and also I'm utilizing those hot pocket uh, little pouches as a lifesaver, and I have two two toques on. Two yeah. toques? Yeah. Now, the shoes in particular, you mentioned they're, they're Gore-Tex. Are they running shoes? Yeah, they're outside winter running trail shoes. The bottom, the... The rubber is a little bit softer and it has good lugs. It's uh, really good traction and sufficient to run in this type of weather. So, so you're running this for, sorry, for a fundraiser for Silo Mission, and you're running 150 miles or 241 kilometers, and you've been doing a loop, a 3.3-kilometer loop through St. Boniface and the Forks, and then you sleep from 3 a.m. to 6 p.m. Do I have that about right? Well, it's... Uh, Plans are really good. Yesterday, the first day I did sleep between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., but uh, last night I was just so tired that I needed to get the, to get uh, some shot I had at, at around 1 o'clock, so I slept for about an hour. So, uh, yeah, since the beginning, I slept three hours. You've only slept three hours since you started this, and you started 11 a.m. on Wednesday, Boxing Day? Yeah. What are when like do you stop for bathroom breaks or for snack breaks? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm not a robot, so I need to have nourishment. Need to go to the washroom and just like Forrest Gump, that's those are the rules of running long distances. Whatever your body needs to do. What's motivating it? I mean, I can imagine. I you wanted to do this to help some of Winnipeg's most vulnerable, but as you're in the middle of this run on a one of the colder days of the year so far, what's going through your head to keep you going? Uh, and, and finish this personal race. Yeah, you know, um, the biggest help is the Winnipeg Run community. Uh, best community in, in, that I know of. Uh, people have been taking the time to run with me, groups of people, individuals, and uh, that's how we roll here in Winnipeg. We look out for each other and make sure we can get the task done. Um, so, uh, when I'm by myself, of course, I think about the reason why I'm doing this and, uh, other people don't have the ability or, you know, I have a place to go home to, to put my head down and, and it'll be warm it'll be food and I'll have clothes. So those are the things I think about. And, um, I'm just grateful that the community could help and my body could help out, uh, other people. No, Junal, uh, just want to sort of get inside the, the the mind of a runner for a moment because I think it's probably safe to say that most of us 
can't run very far. I mean, most of us maybe don't even like running, never mind running far. But when the way that this all started, as you explained to Global's Kevin Hirschfield on Boxing Day, like it didn't start as a charity thing. You just didn't want to go out shopping. So you, you called some friends and said, hey, you want to go run for 15 hours with me uh, for <laughs> yeah. fun? How, right. Like, how does one, th- like, where did it, where did you decide, I want to go run 80 kilometers today, and it ended up being 100 at the end? Well, you know, uh, um, yeah, so I don't like shopping. I like to run. Um, although I was a, a Boxing Day reveler at one time, got some great deals hanging out in, in the freezing cold weather, but then I took up running and uh, Things uh, in my life were a lot better, you know, with positivity and finding people who have the same passion as yourself and and um, finding out the reasons why they want to better themselves. So those things rubbed off on me. And and then, um, yeah, so what happened four years ago, I said to my friends, I'm going to run 12 to 15 hours. I'm going to be doing the route that we usually do. Please join me anytime. And and, and they, they did. They met me here and there. And... Um, and that's how it all started. It was a bluebird type of day, as you know, when you live in Winnipeg, it's, when it, it looks beautiful, but it's deceiving. It's really cold. It was minus 40. But, uh, yeah, friends came out. And uh, at the end, uh, one of my friends was working, and he couldn't come uh, to join me. So I waited for him, and he, he said, how far have you gone right now? And I said, yeah, 80 kilometers. He said, just let's let's make it 100. Why not? And uh, that's the first time. <laughs> Sounds like yeah. a great friend. <laughs> yeah, you know, good friend. Good friends that uh, make you do crazy things, and then you have a good laugh about it after. So the goal was $5,000. Uh, do you know how you're doing so far? Uh, last night I heard that we surpassed our goal with online donations, people dropping money off. It was a little bit over 7000 and And uh, so... Previous years, the first time I, I raised money for asylum was we got two thousand dollars, and then last year was thirty two hundred, and I thought five thousand is a good number. But um, of course, with the media exposure and you know the the time of the year and and the community coming together to to help out, it's seven thousand dollars and still growing. Where can one? How does one make a donation on your behalf if they want to do that? Well, they can go online. There's a, a link. It's called, I think it's called Canada Links. But if you're on Facebook and you can, you can find, uh, right now, I guess some of my friends have been sharing that information. Um, if you can want to come out and, and join me, you can just give me the money and I'll give you, we'll put it in a nice envelope, official envelope. And we're, which brings me to uh, today when I'm done, I'm going to round up some of my friends. We're going to take the, Donations and not just cash donations. A bunch. Of, I ask people to bring articles of clothing and and toiletry items, and we're going to take that to Salome Mission and drop it off, and and then I'm going to run back to the forks and have a beer. <laughs> Attaboy, Juno. Well, hey, congratulations <laughs> for doing this. I just, you know, you are. I mentioned it yesterday. You are made of sterner stuff than I am because uh, the idea of running. Uh, one mile in this cold, never mind 150, mm. is so impressive. So good for you for doing what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, I just want to just give another shout-out to the run community. They've been uh, supportive in the middle of the night or early in the morning. Uh, and um, I, I the whole time, I think I probably ran the loop a, a 
five times by myself. Junal, we got to go. Junal Malapad, thank you so much for joining us. He's running 150 miles for Silo Mission. He's got just under 60 kilometers left. It's McGarry and McNabb mackling back on Monday, and we got to say thanks once again to our friends at St. James Volkswagen. They heard us earlier at 6.45. We were having coffee talking about snacks, and Bob mentioned he loves the Hawkins Cheesies, and one of our listeners, I believe it was Tim, texted us about hickory sticks, wishing that they could make the hickory sticks just into a big chip because he feels mm-hmm. gross trying to shove all the sticks into his face. And I suggested, well, if you take away the, the stick component, then you lose your, your maximum grammage. And they brought us a big bag of Hawkins cheesies and two bags of hickory sticks. And now we feel sick, or I do. I feel great. Ugh. I love them. Don't get me wrong. Tastes great. That's not what I'm trying to say. And thank you. I should say that first. But now I have overindulged. It's my own fault. Really shouldn't be blaming others. Yeah. Well, hey, I I love, uh, I haven't had hickory sticks in years. So thank you very much, St. James Volkswagen. We appreciate that. And it's a, a good little appetizer because Christy Burke, our, one of our colleagues, is making omelets and uh, like taco egg mm-hmm. stuff. I walked in there just now to see how she was doing, but really with not any ability to help. Yeah. <laughs> she was struggling just to get the hot plate on. So I was like, okay, well, check back when it's ready because <laughs> like, I can't stick around to do anything. And you're watching the clock. And then I felt terrible. She's going to slave away over a hot plate this morning. So we're always looking for unique stories about Winnipeggers. Doing neat things, and I stumbled upon such a story a few weeks ago. I found myself inside this little clothing shop on Sherbrooke called EMK Clothing. While I was there, I noticed this display of glasses that looked particularly unique because they all appear to be made of wood. And then I looked at the name, Keep Wood Sustainable Eyewear. Oh, they are made of wood. And then I saw that it's a company based right here in Winnipeg. So I thought I need to look into this. Krista Klassen is the founder. She runs the business alongside her husband. I chatted with her yesterday to find out what is sustainable eyewear. Well, there's a few uh, thoughts behind that in terms of our company. And the first thing is that all of the bamboo that's used in our cases and some of our eyewear is sustainably sourced. Um, The other idea is that uh, a lot of people these days just, you know, um, they don't value their eyewear very much. And I'm more specifically sunglasses, I feel like. Before I got into this, I, you know, you'd pick up a pair at Superstore for 15 bucks and you didn't really care what happened to them if they break, no big deal. They just you throw them in the garbage and get another pair. Um, and with ours, it's, it's more of a quality handcrafted product um, that people, you know, invest a little bit more money into. And then they're going to obviously take care to, to protect that piece of eyewear and it's going to last them a few more years than just that junky pair that they bought for 15 bucks. Um, and then the other aspect is uh, we invest for every pair sold. Um, we donate to Trees for the Future, and they plant 10 trees um, on our behalf in one of their projects. And they uh, are supporting sustainable farming in Africa in small communities. So the, you, you mentioned bamboo. So is that the primary material used in the frames? Uh, n- actually, most of them are made out of wood. So a lot of natural woods, some are laminate woods. Um, all of our optical frames are... 10-layer laminate wood. All of the wood that we use, um, and I say we, but we actually wholesale out. We're very particular about who we use to make our products, but um, all of the wood that's used is from non-endangered species of wood. So a lot of the the different woods can, um, in some cases, some other companies might use really exotic woods that 
perhaps might be on an endangered list. And so we're just careful that we're not using any of those woods in our products. Where do you get the stuff made? So we have it sourced out. Uh, we have a few wholesalers in China and Malaysia. And uh, like I said, over the years, we've kind of carefully tweaked who we um, have our eyewear made by, um, keeping in mind, you know, uh, fair working conditions and wages and that kind of thing. So we have actually a contact in China who we've um, communicated with closely um, that uh, just ensures that these that these pieces are um, paid attention to. Now, you mentioned the the cheap glasses that we all end up chucking because we don't really care about them. We don't take care of them. I now own a pair of Oakley's, which I paid a lot of money for. Right. So yeah. I, I'm much more careful with those. But uh, in the event, like let's say, for example, I... Uh, you brought me a pair of shades, which are super nice. So thank you very much. But You're one welcome. day they they will reach the end of their lifespan. Of course. So yeah. if they end up in the trash, given that it's made of wood, is that better? Like, is that a more of environmental? Course. Yeah. So in in terms of biodegradability, yes, of course. Um, the laminate ones obviously are going to take. They're a little bit more processed. Going to take a little bit more time to to uh, biodegrade but obviously the the solid wood stuff is yeah it's it's definitely gentle on the more gentle on the environment um yeah so so you're that, that piece is this your your job job like your full-time job no this is just a little side hustle um it you know four years ago my sister had bought these sunglasses um from portland uh they're from schwood and I Schwood. was, yeah, have you heard of that? No, no. it's a big company. Um, they're, they're huge. They're the original wood um, eyewear makers. They'd been doing it for 15 years, but I had first just seen them about four or five years ago and I fell in love with them, but I couldn't afford them because they were three to $400. So uh, that's kind of just where my husband and I got the idea. You know, we were looking for somewhere to buy them here in Winnipeg and that didn't exist. And so we just started looking uh, online and I thought, well, how, how is it possible that I can't try any of these on? So my husband um, at the time had a company selling promotional products. So he had some connections to wholesalers and we just started sending out hundreds of emails to find the right, the right suppliers. And now here we you, are. And yeah, now. we've tweaked it over the years and we went through many, many, many samples and trial and error and... And here we are. And you've sold, what, like a thousand pairs over the last four years? Yeah, I'm I'm guessing somewhere, a little bit over a thousand, yeah, between our online. We have a website and we sell on Etsy. Um, You mentioned EMK. That's the only place that you can find us in Winnipeg. Um, Really, the only in-store location. And I happen to stumble in there. I happen to stumble in there, yeah. Erin Kemble is the owner there and she was... um, She's a lovely person. She, She was willing to have our product in her store. And it's 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 been going really well there. So yeah. What do your customers say? Uh, that's the best part about this. Really, is that we have so many repeat customers. Like I, when I'm filling orders online, I'm constantly like searching through my website, and I see some people have bought uh, our eyewear four or five times over. So you know, I guess that's something to something to say. <laughs> is it all sunglasses or uh, uh, can you, can it, like, I actually need a new pair of glasses? No, it started out sunglasses and then we just decided one day to throw a couple pairs of eyeglass frames in there and they are actually our bigger seller now. So, really? Yeah. Um, th- they're doing super well. Is your Where's your customer base? Do you get people from outside of the city? We actually sell very, aside from an EMK and the odd online sale, we're mostly selling to the US. We sell tons to the US and... Everywhere else through Etsy, we have sales coming in from Germany. They're a big seller, Australia. Um, yeah, 
all over Europe, that kind of thing. Krista Klassen, founder of Keepwood Sustainable Eyewear, Winnipeg-based company. Keepwoodsunglasses.com is the website. The eyeglass frames are made so the lenses can be easily swapped in and out by an optician. In Winnipeg, there are some places that will help you with Keepwood Eyewear. Specs Appeal in City Place, great name, Specs Appeal. Oakley Optical and Ideal Eyewear on Pemina can all help you out. I'm going to get a picture of myself wearing the shades that Krista brought me, and I'll put that up on our 680CJOB Instagram so you can see for yourself. And again, just it's a cool thing. I'm standing in this little shop. Nice store, by the way, EMK on Sherbrooke. And I see this Keepwood Eyewear display, and I start looking at them and trying on the frames, and I think... Got to reach out, find out the story. Yet another unique Winnipeg business doing cool things. 845 on 680 CJOB. Up next. Have you taken a picture of yourself with them? I'm just, just going to do did that you right say now. That? That's I, just me not listening. Loren, I was in the hallway, Loren just to clarify. Was in, she was in the newsroom <laughs> working hard on something while I was dealing with that. So, yes, I'm going to go get the shades right now and get a picture up on the 680 CJOB Instagram. We're going to... McGarry and McNabb on 680 CJOB. Mackling is back on Monday. And Loren, in this time slot yesterday, we spoke with Shauna Shimnowski from Organic Tan about the Every Body campaign, which you can see behind the scenes photos from that body positivity campaign on Organic Tan's social media. And the official pictures will be unveiled soon. And, uh, Shauna told us about some of the the people involved. One of them is Kirby from Power 97, Philly Joe and Kirby. And it was through Kirby as well that I learned about some of the other women involved in this photo shoot. And one of them, as it turns out, has already been interviewed on this program. It was November of 2017. Well, they were all selected for pretty, like Shauna was explaining it, everybody had a different story behind why they were connected to the campaign. And it wasn't just about learning to love your body or who you are, but maybe some of the inner... um, strength things you're battling or fighting or trying to get to, which I thought was fascinating. So that's why our next guest is here. Lisa Dean is her name, and she runs a support group, the Winnipeg Pregnancy and Infant Loss Self-Help Group. So when I heard about this, I thought we have to get her back in here and revisit her story because the, the, the support group that you're offering, Lisa, is so important. So thank you very much for taking the time to come back to see us again. Thanks for having me. So I guess first of all, we'll just tie the two together. What brought you to the Everybody campaign? Yeah, for sure. So I actually met Shauna through my group. Um, Shauna lost her son as well. So we connected that way. But my role in it was not only what I've done after loss, but also immediately after my loss, how I felt about my own body. Um, Just for an example of you know, my body didn't do what it was supposed to. Uh, My daughter was very sick. And so I was very harsh. And the thoughts that I thought about my body um, weren't very positive. So even, for example, you know, getting out of the shower and having to look at myself, I was very angry and very mad at my body. And it's changed over the years because I'll be coming up to three years. And I can tell you now that I love my body and I'm so happy that it kept my daughter healthy while she was in it. Um, But it's been a struggle for sure. So your your child was born but did not survive for long. That's right, yeah. Um, Adra was born on February 22nd, and she passed away on March 1st. Um, she had lactic acidosis, which we didn't know because when the baby's in your womb, you're filtering their blood, um, and lactic acidosis is essentially acidic blood. So we knew that she had abnormalities, 
Um, but we thought maybe she just had major disabilities, which we probably wouldn't even know until she was maybe two years old. And it turned out that when she was born, her blood was checked and she wasn't going to live. It was an extreme level of last, um, lactic acidosis. So despite knowing through pregnancy that there was this possibility, I can only imagine when you heard yeah. the word that what you had thought might be a challenging life, mm-hmm. then going to the fact that there wouldn't be any life at all. What? Knock the floor right under you, I guess. Absolutely. That's literally an understatement. But yeah, it was um, for about three or four days after she was born, we really understood that, okay, this is her life. She didn't really open her eyes. She didn't move. Um, She was connected to all kind of machines. And we decided um, to let her go. So that was a whole nother level. Um, But she wasn't going to survive this. And it wasn't the type of life we wanted for her. So we had to make the selfless decision to let her go. So since Adra's passing, you mm-hmm. have been able to to turn that around into a way to help the community. I know that you've held several fundraisers mm-hmm. uh, for the, uh, the St. Boniface Hospitals, uh, the NICU, as it's known. And uh, what is it? And that stands for Neonatal Intensive Care Unit. That's right. Greg uh, knows, knows it all too well. His yeah. boys were there as well. Um, and we just learned of a new fundraising event. I should mention before I forget, Rusty was here, the dog from the St. Boniface Hospital, the big fuzzy dog. I just put a quick video on CJOB's Instagram story. But what is that fundraiser as it pertains to Rusty? Yeah, so I just actually found out about it myself, but actually um, Rusty's owner is selling T-shirts with Rusty's picture on them, and they're $20. And he said that he's going to be um, at St. Boniface Hospital all today as well, selling the, them. The images are of a, so he's had that one before with a picture on it, but then he recently had a, a $1,000 portrait done of him, Rusty mm-hmm. the dog, that is, not the owner. Yep. And it now hangs in St. B, right? So they're they're linking that fundraiser and putting all that money towards the NICU, which we hear time and time again is an extra, extraordinarily busy and, and terrifying and all the other words that you probably can't think of because yeah. you don't expect your baby to end up in that moment. It's true. Um, but also a place that people uh, can learn that, that all sorts of things are possible too. And I, I want to ask, in the moments after Adra's death, mm-hmm. did you, did you, was there any part of you that thought this might be impossible for me to move on in this, in this world? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. I literally thought, how does someone make it through this? Like, how do you actually make it through this? Um, I remember saying that they would have to wheel me out of that hospital, but at the time she died, it's almost like I picked up my little box of cords in her little brush and I literally walked out of there just numb. And you get home and you're just like, what do I do now? There's no support. There's no one that I knew that even had lost because we don't talk about it. And I had no one but my family that didn't ever experience it as well, except for Adra. So you started the Winnipeg Pregnancy and Infant Loss uh, Self-Help Group, known as With Love Adra. That's mm-hmm. how you can find it on Facebook if you look for at With Love Adra, which is spelled A-Y-D-R-A-H. So is this a group where you, you get together and meet, or is it just all through the Facebook? Yeah, no, it's actually, we meet in person. So we meet once a month. It's at the birthing center, always. Um, the odd time we'll meet at Assiniboine Park in the summer, but we post on our page if anything's to change. Um, we meet, it's um, every second Monday of every month. If there's a holiday on that day, then it would be the Tuesday, and we would post about it as well. You can also check it out on our new website we just launched last month, um, which is www.withloveadra.com. 
And yeah, we just sit. It's not structured. It's just kind of like some mums getting together, talking about anything that's bothering us. We have an anonymous box if you want to talk about something that you're maybe shy about. And then we also have usually every second month, bring a spouse, bring a friend, um, just so that if you do have any nerves about coming in, then you don't feel like you're alone. You have someone with you too. What is it about this? We were talking off air about how when you start talking, you realize Mm -hmm. how many women and men have gone through loss like this and whether that's at eight weeks or nine months or in your case, a few days after your child is born. And we know that there's these people out there. And and when you start talking, you realize how Mm -hmm. big this circle is. And yet you're struggling and you hear these stories that moms, every time they leave the hospital after this moment, don't have that there. So what can we do better when it comes to helping families through this? I think um, talking about it, period. Um, Just being open about it. This is my situation. I'm not ashamed of it. You know, it's my story. It might inspire others. And You use shame. Why? Sorry? What, you use the word ashamed. Why? Some people just think like it's like you don't talk about it. Back in the day, they weren't even allowed to hold the babies. Like it's just such, they make it seem like it's just like, you know, it happened, forget about it. And it's like it's still your child. And the more that we forget about it, um, it, it hurts. Like even this year I've had, this would be our third Christmas without her and I have... You know, my neighbors are people that have always wrote her name in a card. And this year I've gotten some cards without her name in it. You know, it only took, what, two, three years for them to forget about her, where it's like she's always still around for me. And I feel like if we talk about it, then people will be more open with it and will change it because it's not okay to keep it quiet. Because for us, if you keep things in, especially for me, I mean, I'd be in a different place right now if I didn't have other moms to connect to and talk to. Do you think that it's uh, the 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 fact that they didn't include Adrian's name in the card that they forgot, or is it just maybe they don't know what to say, or do they feel weird about putting her and name in? That's actually a good point. Absolutely, maybe. Um, and for some people, I try, you know, I try to talk in general so that we don't feel that way. I've had lots of people, not even with the Christmas cards, but other things like we've seen counselors for, you know, we have other children, and you know, just for me to fill out. Um, um, my intake forms and put that I have four children. And then the counselor asked me, well, why did you put four children? Your one died. And it's like, well, I still have four children. Um, So I feel like maybe people are ignorant. I feel like maybe people are just, they don't know what to say. And it almost is awkward for them. Um, But I feel like if we talk about it and we keep being open about it, then maybe people won't feel awkward. And it's like, it is okay. Like I do have bad days. I do have good days, but I always want you to remember her. What is it that you think, you know, if, if you're sitting here at home or in your car and you're listening to this and you've been through this, um, is there a place people can call or go online to, to find out more if they want to? For sure. So you can check out our website, like I said, um, or our Facebook page. You can message us. We would be happy even if you're not interested in coming to group and you need someone to talk to. There's usually a mom in your situation or fairly close that we can connect you with. It can kind of be your buddy. And if you ever need to message someone, then they're there for you. Um, But yeah, just message us, you know, don't feel scared to reach out or to talk to someone because we're always there for you. If someone does understand, it's someone that has lost a child for sure. How much harder do you, not harder, what's the challenge too for the husband or the partner in this scenario? Because I know people will often turn to the mom, even uh, after just childbirth period, a lot of the tension goes to the mom. And and I've been to some of these groups before and talked to the dads and they're terrified to even speak because they're not supposed to have the same feelings. I agree. Yeah. 
Um, we've noticed a lot of dads in our group or spouses have not wanted to come and you've almost had to like drag them in. And then when they come to group, they don't stop talking. So it's really nice for them to see other guys and be like, okay, it's okay to actually talk because again, it's a stereotype. Oh, we have tons of dads that sit and cry or talk and it's just like our safe place. It's like a place where it's like you can be like that and vulnerable and cry and let it out, whatever feelings you're having. And for me personally, and I know a lot of people think this is like every time that month comes, it's like you don't feel like you need it, but then you leave and you just feel refreshed again. And the dads have said that too. They actually look forward to group now, which I never thought that we would have. Have any of the dads ever felt guilty? And by asking this question, I'm not saying they should feel guilty, but I'm curious to know, do they ever feel guilty for feeling as bad as they do? Because they, maybe they think, well, you know, I, I feel bad, but I, this child wasn't, didn't grow inside me. So I, I, don't deserve to feel this bad. I'm not sure if I mean. No, you absolutely did make sense. Um, yeah, absolutely. And even my husband said to me before too, like because his role has always been to do the night feedings and to let me sleep and to change them and to bath them. That's kind of his role. And for him, he always said, "Why well, never got that with Adra?" You know, so she didn't grow in my stomach. So I guess it's weird weird or different, I should say, for the men because they don't feel the daily kicks and they don't feel the the physical pain sometimes. Um, and after childbirth too, mm-hmm. all that you go through all that when we go she's through. not there. Yeah. So you might have nursed or your your uterine contractions. Or your milk all comes the, in. All yeah, those your milk comes in and you're like, oh, great, here's another thing, you know. Um, but absolutely dads feel that they should kind of take the back burner. And I don't think that's true either. Like dads can hurt just as much as the moms can. Lisa Dean is with the Winnipeg Pregnancy and Infant Loss Self-Help Group. You can find them on Facebook at With Love Adra. That's spelled A-Y-D-R-A-H. Or you can go to their website, which is withloveadra.com. Lisa, thanks again uh, for for joining us. And a reminder as well, if you want to pick up one of those Rusty the Dog t-shirts, for 20 bucks at St. Boniface Hospital, the money is going to go towards the St. Boniface Hospital. Uh, Nick, you uh, for Lisa Dean. Thank you so much for stopping by again. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. And again, you'll be able to see more of Lisa through the Everybody campaign from Organic Tan, which we learned about yesterday. Have here. you seen any of the photos? I've seen some of them. Yeah. And love They're them. good. Yeah. I love them. He did such a good job. Shauna did such a good job. That's what everyone's saying. They're I just love loving them. them, loving themselves. Oh my gosh. That's what it's all about. Yeah, it's good. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.